Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord speaks to the disciples in parables, and at the end he asks if they understand. And everyone says, yeah, because parables are simple. And almost nobody actually does, because parables are hard. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field in which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. And we always figure, we're that man. We love Jesus so much that when we find him, we'd give anything for him. It leaves us speaking really boldly about our love for God, but in an awkward spot when that actually meets the real world. Because we can be perfectly comfortable insisting that we would give up everything for Jesus while scoffing at the notion of tithing 10% of everything for Jesus. We can insist we would face death itself rather than fall away from this confession and faith while watching the service online for safety. We can insist that Jesus is our treasure, but most of us would have a harder time going a week without a cell phone than a month without a Bible. It makes even temperance feel like sin. It makes even caution feel like unbelief. And it festers inside us since nobody can actually see it because outwardly we have to love Jesus so much. It leaves us feeling kind of dirty, like a, I don't know, a man who makes sure nobody's looking before dishonestly covering up a treasure in a field so nobody else will find it before lowballing somebody so that he can buy that field for cheap. But sure, Jesus is the treasure we seek out and give everything up for in secret and at somebody else's expense, because, like, why would you share Jesus with anyone, right? Maybe this parable's broken. I don't like this one. Let's do a different one. They're short, so we can do a whole bunch of them today without going long. And that's important, because, you know, Lord, thee I love with all my heart, but if the sermon is longer than 15 minutes, I might depart. But again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, so says our God. So let's go searching for the pearl of great wisdom here, unless it takes longer than 15 minutes. Moving right along. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea, and it has gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But I'm sure that I'm the good fish because I can think of other people doing way worse than me. Never mind that we spend more time with this parable taking on the role of the angels doing the separating than imagining actually having to be judged for our sins for our idols, for our excuses. Because the weeping and gnashing of teeth is easier to consider if you're sending other people there instead of being sent there yourself. Jesus speaks to the disciples in parables, and we think they're so simple, but they contain greater truths. 
We do them a disservice when we treat them like Christian nursery rhymes and fables, when we assume that there is a moral to each story, a way to behave, when we assume that they're about us. It's why we misunderstand them. In hearing, we do not understand. In seeing, we do not perceive. The Bible is not about you. The Bible is about Jesus for you. And just like most things in life, there's a law answer and a gospel answer to most of the tough questions that we wrestle with, but only one of those answers brings any real peace. The other doesn't really do anything more than let us excuse what we can't fix, and only then, after we dumb it down quite a bit. But consider the parables today. Actually consider them and stop looking for yourself for just a minute and recognize each one begins the same. The kingdom of heaven. Nobody gets to the kingdom of heaven by the law. Nobody gets to the kingdom of heaven by what they do or don't do. By works of the law, no one will be made righteous. By works of the law, no one will be saved. The kingdom of heaven is not about the law. The kingdom of heaven is about the gospel. It's about Jesus, given for sinners, given for me, given for you. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. If you want to make this about you, it's an awkward little dance to the finish line. But if this is about Jesus, the parables are actually really simple. It's only when we make them about ourselves that they get so impossible. When we treat parables like Christian nursery rhymes and fables, they always end up in the law. They never end up in the gospel. Do this. Be that. But the law always accuses, because at the end of the day, I can come up with my very best excuses, and you can bring yours too, but we still do not live up to its demands. The law always accuses. If you can honestly look at the law and not feel like some kind of sinner or another, you are neither not hearing the real law, or you are not really looking at yourself. The parables contain the secrets to the kingdom of God. And that means they're about the only way we are actually going to get there. They are about Jesus. They are about the gospel. If you want to understand the parables and you think you've got it figured out and you haven't found Jesus at the absolute center, you're doing it wrong. You're missing the point. Start over. Because it is God who justifies. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? As it turns out, not even we can do that. You aren't the man in the field who finds the treasure and finds and goes off and sells all that he has for it. You're the treasure. This is who you are to God. He loves you so much that he considers you absolutely priceless, worth everything that he has, even in the face of your sins and your idols and your excuses that leave you so buried and dead in fields called cemeteries. He sells all that he has to buy you. He doesn't pay in gold or silver, but in his holy and precious blood, in his innocent suffering and death, that you would be his own. He purchases and wins us by dying on that cross that he would rip us out of the tombs that we find ourselves buried in in the field. He would gather us into his home and he would love us ever still. Ours is the God who redeems even sinners. He considers us the treasure that he would go to the ends of the earth to save. He considers you the treasure worth paying in blood for. He considers you so priceless that even buried under the wages of sin, buried in cemeteries, he would pay the price to redeem you. He would give his life to buy yours back. And he would join you in the tomb to pull you out of your grave and promises all the while that even as he is risen from the dead, you will rise, for you were bought 
with a price. You are the pearl of great price. Jesus looks at you, all of it, and he sees something worth saving, no matter the price. Find Jesus at the center of the parables and recognize this is not a measuring stick. It's a gift. This is not a demand. It's a promise. This is not a law that you must do in order to buy your salvation. This is a gift in knowing that Christ has already paid the price. The parables are not about how much you love God. They're about how much he loves you, so that you can lay aside your excuses and cling only to the cross of Christ, which forgives you all your sins. You need no more excuses. Christ is merciful to sinners. That is our hope. That is our life. That is our everything. The parables don't have to be about how much you would give to God. They're already about how much he has paid for you, even now. Look to the cross and actually see these stories come to life. Everyone trained to find Jesus in the parables finds the treasure, the gospel, the promise, the old one made to Adam and Eve, the promise, the new one made to you every day. You are righteous because Jesus died for you. You are baptized. You are washed. You are holy. You are loved. This is how the angels sort out the catch on the last day. Those who find their righteousness in Christ fear nothing. You be not afraid of the last day, for you are righteous now in Christ. You are righteous now in the waters of your baptism. You are the one who gets to look forward to the last day. Because you get to be with Jesus, who will raise you out of your grave, who will pull you out of your field, who will give you a new and perfect body that will live evermore. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. In your baptism, today, now, you are more than conquerors through him who loved you. In your baptism, you are the prize. Jesus conquered death to win. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.